You're listening to Tap Into Tax, PwC's podcast series covering current regulatory, legislative, and technology hot topics through the lens of our tax technical leaders, as well as process and technology subject matter specialists. This podcast features discussions with some of our leading minds around tax, trade, and domestic and global policy. Stay tuned to our regular updates and subscribe to our series to get notified as new episodes are published. All right, Julie, I'm really excited about today's conversation. With the U.S. presidential election coming up, I know tax modeling is top of mind for a lot of our participants. Margie, I agree. And I think in addition to that U.S. presidential election, all of the changes that we're seeing on the regulatory front or even the help that's coming into businesses, a lot of that has to be taken into account in modeling. So I think it's going to be a really great discussion with Justin. So let's talk tax. Welcome, listeners. This is Margie Dungeshaw, and I'm PwC's U.S. Tax Reporting and Strategy Leader. And today I'm joined by Julie Allen, PwC's National Tax Services Market Leader. We are also lucky to be joined by Justin Denworth today, a partner in our international tax practice, and we're going to be discussing tax modeling. As a background, with the U.S. presidential election just on the horizon, coupled with doubts about economic stability and continuing shifts in global tax policy, 2020 has been an eventful and unprecedented year, and 2021 remains even more uncertain. The disruption is causing organizations to have to rethink the way that they do business and how they become more resilient. This demand for agility extends to the tax function as well, especially when it comes to modeling. So at this critical moment, modeling is a vital tool needed to elevate the tax function side by side with the C-suite. So Justin, as we're discussing, what are some of the challenges facing our multinational clients as they try to tackle tax modeling? Thanks, Margie. Yeah, multinational companies are looking for ways to access, visualize, and analyze data to run international calculations and model what-if scenarios. They need greater accuracy, certainty, and automation during compliance execution, tax planning, and dialoguing with shareholders in new and different ways. Although the changes you just mentioned are challenging, organizations can respond by developing the needed resilience and agility. And a lot of this can be achieved through modeling and supporting the no regrets planning. Yeah, with so many moving parts, no regrets planning is incredibly important right now. And Justin, as we all know, for many companies, the COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted the normal business operations, impacted supply chains, and has created some extraordinary liquidity needs. This has resulted in a change in business operations, the way they're structured, the way people work, all of which have a direct impact on tax. So to understand all the impacts and avoid surprises, agile tax modeling is required to work effectively. So in our CFO survey, concerns about financial impacts on the business, including the results on operations, future periods, liquidity, and capital resources, those concerns are running high. Upwards of 47% of our respondents indicated it was a concern. So Justin, what are some of the key value drivers that companies need to achieve agile tax modeling capabilities? Sure. I think sometimes when we say modeling, the temptation is to think right away about the process and the numbers. 
rather than where this needs to fit into the larger organizational framework. There are two main components that companies need to take into account when they're considering agility in their tax department. First, tax should be a true business partner to the business function. This is necessary for our second component, which is to achieve modeling at the speed of the business. Yes, Justin, I've worked with companies and to be able to model at the speed of business decision making, that's a challenge. So let's take these objectives one by one. How does tax achieve this partnership with their business functions? Right now, the pandemic has introduced difficulties for businesses. The proper responses can result in sustainable change. For example, the deals environment is definitely different. There's still a mix of available capital that presents those challenges for companies. As you both discussed on last podcast with Eric Shin, there are also trade and tariff concerns that may cause businesses to modify their global footprint in order to reduce costs. These operational changes can have overlapping impact across various tax areas. An iterative analysis that considers tariffs, transfer pricing, and U.S. tax reform provisions such as guilty or global intangible low-tax income, BEAT, or FDII, is needed to estimate the overall impact. If tax can elevate itself as a partner to the C-suite with more visibility and storytelling with their modeling language, then the adaptation to these business and operational changes from a tax standpoint can be more seamless. Justin, I absolutely agree. The last few years, we have seen a large-scale shift in the U.S. and international tax landscape and even more so in the last few months with the coronavirus. It's clear that tax can't afford to be behind the business. Long gone are the days where we could take a week or several days to do some modeling as business decision makers are moving through strategy. So tax modeling needs to occur, as you said, at the speed of business. Can you expand on the concept of modeling at the speed of business? Uh, Sure, Margie. From my perspective, what this means is that companies cannot afford to have a time-lapse analysis of a business deal or a change to their global footprint. As you mentioned, and I agree, long gone are the days of analyzing a tax impact as an afterthought for provision or reporting purposes. The tax impact on a business deal is an important aspect of a business scenario planning exercise. This analysis is useless without good and timely data. Without that, companies risk faulty decision-making because they are uninformed or misinformed from a tax standpoint. Margie and Justin, I love that dialogue. Listening to the two of you was like watching two great tennis pros have a tennis match and go back and forth. And what I want to do, Justin, is I want to return to something that you touched on earlier in that conversation. You had alluded to the fact that decisions businesses make have an impact on the lexicon of tax rules that we're now helping our clients navigate, such as guilty B FDII. And we know that Treasury recently issued final regulations for FDII. They've issued the guilty high-tax exception regs and those long-awaited Section 163J interest deduction regulations. And they were doing these all while we're seeing more business tax relief majors working their way through Congress. And that's just the U.S. landscape. So given that backdrop, Justin, let's dig into what we need to consider when designing a reliable or sustainable and agile tax modeling function. What are some of the factors that you would highlight that stand out in your mind? Well, Julie, it's often the same mode of analysis that the C-suite goes through in making their decision. First, we always want to look at the base case scenario. What are the effects of doing nothing? This helps us identify pain points. What's most important given companies needs to reduce costs and allocate resources efficiently. Companies will experience modified profits, either gains or in many cases losses. Modifying profits may produce collateral tax consequences, impacting beat, interest limitations, and the interaction between the two, which is really important for our MDA. 
Then identifying and analyzing important attributes come to play, including net operating loss carrybacks, foreign tax credits, guilty calculations, and other tax calculations. As you noted, recent and forthcoming regulations on foreign tax credits, the FDII, the guilty high tax exception exclusion, and 163J will now have a permanent input into modeling systems that need to be updated as a result of the changes. Justin, you just hit on something I really want to emphasize. It's all about seeing where these points intersect. You know, we know from our experience that just examining one scenario in a vacuum can result in faulty information that can cause a misstep when a business is on the precipice of a decision, whether that's big or small. The interaction of TCJA, tax reform provisions, and the more recent and possible future executive and legislative changes can leave a major impact. So I would love to get your insight as to how all of those intersections should be taken into account. Absolutely, Julie. TCJA enacted provisions that directly or indirectly limit the availability of deductions based on a taxpayer's taxable income. For example, regarding inclusions, guilty or subpart F, can have impact to the FDII deduction through consistency and expense allocation and apportionment. The TCJA also necessitated a focus on attribute planning to understand the impact of the flow of income and deductions as a result. Examples of these attributes include foreign tax credits, overall domestic losses, overall foreign losses, separate limitation losses, and overall net operating losses, and the interdependent calculation complexities that's presented amongst them. Recently, some of these TCJA limitations have been walked back by the CARES Act, like the interest expense limitations, as well as the NOL deduction. However, we're also receiving final TCJA guidance. The interaction of these new rules with the evolving CARES Act has to be modeled. And let's not forget the possibility of even more changes next year, depending on the result of the November presidential and congressional election. Not to mention all of the collateral changes that companies are making to the transfer pricing, either independently or as a knock-on to all the planning and structuring points we've covered. Justin, you said it so well. Transfer pricing is front and center right now. You know, whenever I click on the tax news of the day, I see at least one article discussing how companies are revisiting their transfer pricing in light of this economic downturn. Justin, what are you seeing with your clients and how does this relate back to the modeling? Transfer pricing policies will be an important part of adapting tax models on a down economy. Transfer pricing policies will be an important part of adapting tax models to a down economy. Companies will need to modify their relationships both externally and internally to take into account unanticipated sales declines, asset write-offs, and intercompany borrowing needs given increased liquidity constraints. In relation to modeling, companies are considering whether their transfer pricing models can be modified or restructured to take into account the change circumstances and how defensible those changes will be a few years from now. Speaking of new situations, Justin, it seems that the global tax landscape is changing by the day. BEPS 2.0, the volatile trade environment, the pressure our clients are facing from a transparency standpoint, and international controversies like the recent state aid cases are all inputs that I think need to be built into any agile tax model. And so, Justin, how are you seeing companies consider these changes when building out their agile tax model? Absolutely. Companies are being pressured in terms of transparency and paying what tax authorities around the world call their fair share. This has led companies seeking a better grasp not only in their potential weaknesses, but also the public optics of their tax positions. PwC has been helping clients navigate these waters for some time now, even pre-pandemic. For instance, our use of country-by-country reporting information to look at impacts around Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 minimum tax. 
The increasing demand for transparency, coupled with more information that tax authorities are receiving as a result of this country-by-country reporting, may cause a focus on the high-margin territories, creating a red flag for tax and custom authorities. That data and the perception it creates from those different vantage points will need to be analyzed and visualized. The good news is that PwC has this data and can use it to show where the pain points are. Justin and Julie, this has been such a great discussion and making sure that everyone's aware of the technical markers and traps for the unwary when it comes to tax modeling. Justin, I'm sure you've worked with lots of companies that after they've gone through the heavy lift of going through all the calculations, making sure that all the iterative natures have been applied and coming to a correct and accurate answer, then they pause and reflect and someone asks, well, what if this changed? and you get to do the whole exercise over again. So with that as a context, Justin, let's take all of that as a foundation and now let's pivot to how clients move their modeling at a faster pace and how companies can leverage data and analytics to provide them some of those greater insights as they're trying to help drive real-time decision-making where we all know comes with the assessment of multiple scenarios. Yeah, that's right, Margie. And I know something that's very near and dear to your heart, First thing that comes to mind is technology and data automation. As a baseline, data needs to be consistent across all modeling scenarios and sourced consistently and repeatedly. Recent economic uncertainty and increased pressure to forecast cash flows puts additional demand on the finance functions to meet requests of internal and external stakeholders. Performing multiple scenario analyses and developing contingency plans can lead to considerable effort and frustrations when time-sensitive tasks are attempted with spreadsheets or an in-house technology. Additionally, the ability to manage and influence cash flows has been propelled to the top of the CFO's agenda in supporting the optimization of working capital and the management of cash and liquidity. As a result, finance teams should have a solution that provides flexibility, automation, and control over large volumes of data, and an ability to revise calculation models to meet the changing fact patterns and new requests. This all leads to agile, in-the-moment decision-making, which can accelerate actions through real-time insights. Also, you want the data to tell a story and be collaborative especially in this work-from-home environment where we can't collaborate in person. With virtual collaboration tools, this can be a team effort with companies, which includes their tax and business leadership department and their service providers. That sounds almost ideal, Justin, and really worth considering as we're all returning to the workplace. So speaking of, we're going to be holding a webcast on August 27th to discuss this exact topic. So now, Justin, when it comes to technology and automation, What more should we be thinking about? I think one quick example is how PwC has been using our Beacon Rules Engine for scenario modeling, which addresses a lot of tax unknowns, like global tax reform, legislative changes, and the potential impact from the upcoming election. Scenario modeling is key to accommodating a no-regrets planning for the future. For example, a potential change in the administration or Congress could bring about the possibility of additional tax reform. We can help clients instantly see the impact of all these potential changes on their tax rate as well as potential savings opportunities when contemplating the multi-year and interdependent complexities that we referenced earlier. Another recent example would be the ability to perform a legal entity forecast model using self-service data analytics platforms, which allows for detailed legal entity forecasts for all entities based on a principal entity's data, resolving a challenge that many companies face when they have a principal company data, but the rest of their data for legal entities might be aggregated on a rest-of-world basis so not as helpful to granularly calculate their risk. We can help clients use this data to calculate COVID-19 financial impacts on a very tight turnaround basis. 
Justin, that really paints a clear picture. And I think you've hit on a really key point when it comes to developing an effective tax modeling strategy, making sure that your data is ready so you can model quickly and accurately. So as our listeners are ingesting all of this information, can you summarize this into just a few key takeaways? Sure thing, Margie. First, modeling can help companies understand the potential impact of key international tax proposals. Once the modeling has been completed, a company consider how its tax liability could change, both on a short-term cash basis and a longer-term effective tax rate basis, as well as the potential impact on earnings, cash flow, treasury needs, and capital structuring, and any operational changes that might be appropriate. Second, the time to begin modeling is now. You don't want to be caught off guard. You don't want to be considering potential impacts and changes as they might alert you to unexpected costs, as well as reveal business opportunities. Thank you, Justin, for joining us today. And thank you, Marjorie. And thank you, listeners, for joining us also. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Margie. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.